Well, hey there, New Life students. I'm so glad that you got to join us for another sermon on Jesus is I Am. Go ahead and turn to John chapter 5. We're going to be reading actually quite a bit of scripture, but first let's go ahead and jump into prayer. Heavenly Father, you are good, and everything you do is good. Heavenly Father, I ask that you would enlighten our eyes, that we may be able to behold wonderful things out of your law. Jesus, unite our hearts to fear your name. May distractions fade away. And Heavenly Father, may you give us eyes to see what you're doing, and most importantly, who you are, and ears to hear and obey. And Lord, a heart to believe and become a child of God. Jesus, help us read Scripture correctly, interpret Scripture correctly, and apply Scripture correctly. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to be in John chapter 5, starting in verse 18. We're going to start in verse 18. Let's read. This was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling himself equal to God because God was his father. So Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what, the father, what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. For the father loves the son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will I show you, so that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. The Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, Whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, he, so he has granted that the Son also have life in him. And he, was given, and he has given him authority to execute judgment, because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out, and those who have done good to the resurrection of life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Verse 30 now. I can do nothing on my own accord. This is Jesus talking. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. If I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not true. Therefore, there is another who bears witness about me, and I know that the testimony that he bears about me is true. You sent to John, and he has borne witness to the truth. Not that the testimony that I receive is from a man, but I say these things that you may be saved. He was a burning and shining lamp, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. But the testimony that I have is greater than that of John. For the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I am doing, bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. And the Father who has sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice you have never heard, his form you have never seen, and you do not have his word abiding in you, because you do not believe in the one he sent. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you will have eternal life. 
and it is they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. I do not receive glory from people, but I know that you do not have the love of God within you. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. How can you believe when you receive glory from another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? Do not think that I will accuse do not think I will accuse you of to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, on whom you have set your hope. For if you believe Moses, you would also believe me, for he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe in my words? That's a lot of scripture. That's a lot of confusing dialogue from Jesus. That's a lot of um, cultural tension and, and conversational tension that's going on. So I'm gonna break it down into a few sections. The first things that we're gonna understand is what we think about God. That's the number one thing that we're gonna do. And the second thing that we're gonna focus on is how we view God or how we search out God. And then the last thing that we're gonna do is we're gonna understand how this applies to us today. So let me give you an example of how we see God by looking at how the Jewish leaders saw God and how Jesus himself saw God. If you notice in verse 18, it says, this is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him. So this is why, points back to the previous verses, because he had healed someone on the Sabbath and he was calling himself equal to God by saying, I and the Father have been working from the creation of the Sabbath until now. So they wanted to kill him because here's what they thought of God. God is only one God. There's no others. They were monotheists. In a radically polytheistic culture where everyone else was worshiping hundreds of gods, like when I lived in India, there are millions of gods, so many statues. Like there was a temple that was taller than New Life's main building and every corner and every space had a different idol. It was crazy. It was insane. And that's what these people are getting at. They're saying that Jesus, in a sense, is being polytheistic because he's putting himself in the place of God when they know God to be monotheist or only one God. Well, that view is not any different in Jesus' view. Notice over here in verse um, 44, how can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God. So Jesus himself also knows that there's one God. So we have the Jewish leaders and Jesus seeing that there's only one God. So why are they coming to different conclusions? Well, that's because they haven't seen the second part of how he can be sought out and who he is. They first just pause and they just want to see God, yes, as one God, but then if they, they only want to see him one-dimensional. But Jesus is trying to show them that God is three persons in one. That he is so much more than just one dimensional. He's not a static character. He's a dynamic character. So if you notice, he's talking. The reason why we can see that Jesus is relating himself to the Father and he's not breaking the monotheistic beliefs is if, if we notice here. Let me show you. So in verses 19 through 23, we see that Jesus does everything that the Father does. They're in perfect alignment. That's kind of like what we do with our lives. We try and follow God with all that we have. But then, if you notice, at the same time, in verse 37 to 38, 
the Father also does what the Son does. Meaning the Father is an exact step with the Son. Does God follow us? No. He would be breaking the commandments of having a God before himself. But instead, what we see here is Jesus says, I follow God in everything that he does, and then he gives me judgment, and he follows my judgment on the world. And when they say, you're calling yourself equal to God, he just lets it stand. He doesn't say, no, 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 I'm not. Like, think about there's other people in the Bible, like Paul. He came into a town, and they tried to worship him as a god. And he was pleading with them, begging with them, screaming and crying, saying, I'm not God. And he was trying to pull people up off their feet because that would be blasphemy to him. But Jesus doesn't do this because he knows that he is God. So the first thing that we can see is that what a person thinks about God is the most important thing about them. It is so critical to see that. The Jews, they thought about God as, yes, one God. They had a truth, but they didn't have the whole truth because they weren't willing to follow God completely. Even though they memorized the Torah, that's the first five books of the Bible. And if you've ever even tried to read the first five books of the Bible, now try and memorize the first five books. That's dedication. It seems like they were following God to a T, to an iota. That was the smallest little pen stroke in the Hebrew. But they didn't see God the way he wanted to be seen. See, Scripture teaches us how to read the Bible, not the other way around. We don't teach the Bible how to be interpreted. It does that to us. And that's what Jesus is trying to say. He's trying to say, look, you have been believing Moses, yet you refuse to come to me. Now, this is where we can pause and move from, we understand that God is one God, that the Jews think that he's just God the Father, Yahweh, but then Jesus sees that he is God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Yahweh. So we see that there's a difference. Well, how did those two study the same God and get to a different conclusion? Like a lot of people say, well, aren't all religions just pointing to one God? It very well may, may could be, like um, Islam. They were branched off of Ishmael. They worship Allah, which is in a sense God, because there was the same God of Abraham. But the problem is, they've paused and they haven't seen Jesus as God and the Holy Spirit as God. And they've gone a different way. Same thing with these Jewish leaders. So what's the difference? Well, let's read. Right here, verse 39. This is our second point. This is how we search out God or how we relate to God. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you will have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness to me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. Okay, wait a second. What does that mean? Well, think about it like this. When I was a kid, I used to love waiting for my dad to come home uh, from work. And I would sit on the couch and it would look out our front window and I would just wait for him to come home. But there were some days where my little child mind would get distracted and I would start looking at the little maybe cracks in the window from all the sand pelting because Colorado's crazy windy or the bugs that were on it or maybe some of the dirt or and I would get so focused on the window that everything in behind the window was blurry and I would one day like I was just watching the window even though I, what I was watching for was my dad I missed him he came in without me even realizing that he was coming same thing is true about scripture Scripture 
is the window. Not God, right? The, the word, the living word, that's God. But scripture, if we think about it, it's like the window. And what the Jewish leaders and maybe Islam has done is we've just focused on the window and we've let what it points to get blurry. So what I want us to do is I want us to think what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, you have just focused on the wrong thing. You search the scriptures. I memorize a window and all the specific details and totally miss a beautiful sunrise that it's looking out at. I could totally miss it. Same thing is true with the Bible. I could memorize the first five books of the Bible to the T, to the iota, to the dot. But I would fail to see the light in God's face, which is Jesus. So we have to understand that, yes, God is one God. But if we fail to use scripture like a window that looks through to God, then that's where we're going to start diverging into different views of God. That's how the Jewish leaders and Jesus came to a very different conclusion. Jesus was saying, hey, I am God also, while the Jews saying, no, there's only one God. Yes, Jesus is saying the same thing because the Jews have stopped looking through the window and they've just been satisfied with looking at the window. So that's something that we can understand is that when we have to first see God, but then we have to see him rightly the way he wants to be seen as asking, okay, God, show me who you are through this text. And then once that happens, now we can apply it to our lives. How do you see God? Do you see him as angry or distant? Do you relate him to an angry parent or to a distant parent or to uh, maybe a passive parent? How do you relate God? Or have you chosen to look through scripture and see him as holy and see him as good? So when we look at Jesus, Jesus is the exact imprint of God's nature. He's the exact imprint of God's nature. And in Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30, he says, come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. He doesn't say come to your idea of God. He says, come to me. Look at me. Find out who I am, not what you think I am. And then I will give you the rest of salvation. So may you know, students, that God, yes, is one God. There is no one else. But Jesus is I am. He is that one God. Father, Son, and Spirit. And he wants to be sought out, and he wants to be known. But don't look at the window of Scripture. Look through it to the face of God. God bless.